Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. How many people watched the coronation last night? King Charles, did you watch the coronation? I was watching Star Wars last night with the children. I was watching Star Wars, chapter, uh, the episode number one with the children. But I did watch a little bit of it uh, just this morning because I was told that King Charles heard that Grace Life Church were going through Colossians this month. And, and I heard that he had heard that um, we were doing chapter one this week. And I had heard that he had incorporated Colossians chapter one and, and, and he heard what I was going to be preaching on today. So he decided to read that out a little bit. Colossians chapter one from verse nine onwards he was reading. Is that correct? Isn't God good? I didn't even know that King Charles was a Christian. No, I'm, I'm not even being funny. I'm not even being funny. I know, he's, I know he's the figurehead of the Anglican Church and so forth. And pardon my ignorance here. I'm such an unsophisticated, uncultured swine. But I, I didn't know that he had uh, such a, um, a value on the Word of God, whether that was him or someone else in the royal family or whether it was tradition. Nonetheless, I'm just grateful that... Colossians 1 and, and other great biblical um, uh, directive was given on a global scale. God is good. His word is proclaimed. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to read, but I'm going to go from verse 15 and uh, read with me, please. I'm reading from the e- English Standard Version. That's the version that Jesus uses. We know that, don't we? English Standard Version. Verse Verse 15 onwards. He is the invisible, excuse me, I'll start again. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. I understand, though, that they stopped at verse 17. Verse 18, the one we just read, is actually, he should have kept reading. He is the head of the body, the church. It's Jesus that's the head of the body, and he is the head of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, it would have been great if he read this bit too. (laughs) And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul writes a letter to a group of Christians. And one of the heresies that was permeating through first century Christianity was Gnosticism. Gnosticism was influenced likely by 
people like Plato. And Gnostic has to do with the mind or knowing. Gnostic, no. Think of it, no. Gnosticism. And Gnosticism would basically do a couple of things. It would have a dualistic perspective, which is there is something natural or carnal, there is something that is earthly, and there's something that is spiritual, there is something that is heavenly. And there would be a clear demarcation. And everything that is physical, everything that is matter to touch, to see in the natural, that was connected with evil. But that which is spiritual was a little bit better, a little bit higher. And the result of that Gnosticism, which was permeating through the New Testament church, it was a heresy coming against Christianity, was that because the Christ divine has become human and taken on humanity, he was a lesser being. That Jesus Christ, he couldn't be as holy, he couldn't be as, as divine because he was connected to the natural means the natural realm what Paul does here is he connects both the heavens and the natural in the person of Jesus Christ and you see Paul addressing heavily heavily throughout Colossians in particular Colossians chapter 1 this idea that Gnosticism was wrong and Christ Jesus was divine he was the deity And he sat above all the elemental spirits, all the spiritual things of this world, Jesus sat above. So when we see this from Colossians 1 verse 15, many say this is a doxology, doxa and logos to do with praise or glory being expressed. Many would actually sing this passage. It was a praise about the beauty, the supremacy, the preeminence of Jesus, the radiance seen in Jesus. It would often be sung. When Paul wrote this, he is saying, I want you to know this, Christians, that Jesus Christ, he is the image of the invisible God. The invisible, not just, not just something you see, but also it pertains to knowing. So Jesus Christ, he is the image or he is the knowable of the invisible or the unknowable God. There is a God that we know exists that is out there and we have never been able to truly know him. But in Jesus, we can see and we can know him. So he's addressing this very clearly. He then goes to say he is the firstborn of all creation. Down the track, he says he is the firstborn from the dead. The firstborn, that's a key word. We see a reference in the Old Testament. We can see... In, um, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, it says that he is the firstborn among many brothers, brothers and sisters. He's like our older brother, and we have the same father. As our older brother, he leads, he guides, he protects, he takes care of us. We always look up to him, and because he is the firstborn, we are heirs in and with him. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us that he is the firstborn of the dead, which means when he is the one that first came back to life, he is the one that first experienced resurrection, so will we. Because where he is and what he experiences, so will we. Colossians tells us later that we are hidden with Christ in God. 
your union in and with Jesus is so critical to your identity and your eternity. If we would just understand how intimately and powerfully united we are in and with Jesus, I reckon most of the heavy lifting of discipleship is already taken care of. Because we don't need to strive and work hard to be loved and be found in Him. We, by faith, already are. By faith, by just accepting, by saying, yes, Jesus, thank you. And Paul addresses this. By Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. I love that. Paul takes... The understanding that those that are reading this understand Genesis chapter 1, which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we already know that, and that is our basis. Paul then writes this letter to these Christians on that basis saying, hey, you know how God was, God was there in the beginning? John chapter 1 tells us, uh, um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. There was nothing that was made except through him. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made, John says. So Jesus was there in the beginning, and what he's doing is he's addressing, hey guys, let me tell you, it doesn't matter. All rulers, all principalities, all powers, all authorities, whether on the earth, on the earth, it doesn't matter. It all comes under the authority, the supremacy, the preeminence, the power, the authority of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All about him. But I guess my question for you is, do you see what Paul sees? Do you see him that way? Do you see Jesus in your life seated on that throne? It's easy to read about it and say, yeah, I see it. He's out in the world and he's, he's, he's in charge of it all. But what about on the throne of your heart? <laughs> Sometimes I forget that he's actually sitting there. And I kind of see myself on that throne. It's important for us to see him in that light because we can't savor what we can't see. You can't savor what you can't see. You can't enjoy, you can't appreciate what's not in front of you that you actually can see. One of my favorite countries in the world, I've been to a number of them over the years. I haven't traveled for a few years because of this COVID zombie virus. We can get on the plane again pretty soon, I think. We're going to Zambia. One of my favorite countries in the world is New Zealand. And I'm going to show you a picture. Did we get that picture working? Who knows? This is one of my favorite places in all of New Zealand. Anyone know what lake that is? It starts with a whoop. Top of the class. It's Lake Wanaka. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It looks pretty good from a distance, doesn't it? Lake Wanaka. But I tell you what, when you're standing there, gazing at the beauty of that lake, surrounded by those mountain cap mountains, those snow-capped mountains, oh my goodness, I've got to sit down. I've got to sit down. I can show you that on a screen, but it's only when you're really seeing that and that you're, oh, and you drink it in. That's the same thing with Jesus. I can tell you till I'm blue in the face how good he is. 
And you can tell your spouse, you can tell your parent, you can tell your children. I do that. I tell my girls all the time. <laughs> my little seven-year-old, do you know how, Jesus, how good Jesus is? He's better than you. Dad, you always tell me that. That's our children. I just want, I, I want them to know, I want them to, 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 to see so that they can savor His goodness. Have you for yourself really seen him? Have you forgotten what he looks like? Have you seen how incredible he is? He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the way to know your God. There is no way to the Father except through the Son. No way. John 14, 6 tells us that. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tells us, that he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He is the exact imprint of the nature of God. You need to look no further than to Jesus. And you've got to let the Holy Spirit show you because only God can reveal God. You can pick this book, book up right here. You can read about Jesus, but it's his spirit that helps you to see him. And once you see him, don't glance away. Don't take your eyes off. Savor him. And see him in all of his glory, just as Paul says to. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning of the firstborn of the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. I love that. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And that, that word dwell is, is um, there are two different ways in the Greek to describe dwell. There is a temporal dwell and there is a permanent dwell. This is the permanent dwell. So, Paul is writing about the permanence of the deity of Christ Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So brothers and sisters here, first of all, very simply, see him so you can savor him. Don't take your eyes off him. What happens when we take our eyes off Jesus? What, what happens? What happens to us? We get lost. We're confused. We get distracted. We get depressed. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. How many people you know in your life, the moment you've taken your eyes off Jesus, your world's gotten a little bit dark. That happens. The same things happen in families, in communities, in nations, in nations. What's happening in our nation right now? What happens when we take our eyes off Jesus? Here's a quote uh, that when we, when a society turns away from God, at first we overlook evil, then we permit evil, then we legalize evil, then we promote evil, then we celebrate evil, then we persecute those who still call it evil. Which one are we at? 
We're at the last one already, are we? Isn't that interesting? Now, I think it's really important for Christians, though, to not shout down at the darkness. Because the reason why I think a lot of the darkness exists is because we as Christians haven't shone the light. It's very easy to point the finger at others. But what have we done? Where, where has our voice been? See, when we allow things to take place and we kick God out of our schools, of our governments, off the radios, off the TVs, we allow those things to happen. What happens? God, God who gives us freedom and liberty, who, based upon the Judeo-Christian ethic, he allows for us to experience democracy and freedom. We then walk in um, blessing, abundance. We take our eyes off God. We become complacent, apathetic. And then what happens is we forget about God because we're so rooted in humanism. And then truth becomes subjective and relative. Because once God goes out, so does the sense of morality and truthfulness. Because remember, Christ, in Christ is truth and grace. John 1 tells us that. So when we, when we forget about God, though he blesses us, he takes care of us, he's with us, though we forget about him as a society, he gets pushed to one side, we drift, we get distracted. Where's he gone? And then uh, as a society, we thought, hey, how did that happen? Slowly drifted. Slowly drifted. And truth becomes subjective. And your truth is different to my truth. And who are you to say that your truth is better than my truth? But truth is truth. <laughs> What's feelings got to do with it? Truth is truth. Which is why Pastor Brett talked on the wonder of the word last week, perhaps this Sunday is the supremacy of the sun. We need to keep in mind that this is a book of truth. And we've got to know what's inside it. Consider it like a compass. The Holy Spirit helps us to read this compass. When truth goes out the door, do you know what happens? We then succumb to a woke culture, for example. A woke culture. Just turn on the news. Maybe not Channel 7 or 9 or 10 because you're only going to get like 20% of the news. <laughs> you can find... <laughs> Someone said not even over here. There are other great sources you can find. Search out for the truth. And know this, though, that do you know we have the Holy Spirit who helps guide us into all truth? We've got the edge. So don't just blindly accept what you read or hear from whoever, even me. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. When you turn the news on, you'll see things like what I saw um, last week. Last week, I saw an example of um, a council meeting in Melbourne where they're, uh, where they're talking about allowing drag queens to read out to children aged three to five in a public library. What? Sexualized men dressed up as women reading out storybooks to, to three, four, five-year-olds. Why? Why? Well, we've got to celebrate diversity and we've got... Accept really, why do those men want to talk to... Three, four, five-year-olds anyway. And all of a sudden, if, what, what do we do? We become immune and desensitized to this because, because we, want, we, we don't want to upset people and offend people. Since 
when has my concern for not offending you got in the way for my care for children or even for what's truthful or what's right? And as we abdicate our responsibilities as humans, we're leaving the back door open for destruction. Now you'll get me going. I mean, this gender dysphoria thing is really quite destructive. It's an affront to God's intended created order. You understand that? This is a big deal. When God made humanity, it was male and female. Two. Oh, but yeah, but there are 457 now. You've got to be accepting. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. I saw on the news, um, SBS, just the headlines of what SBS said, of what um, the Prime Minister, when he was interviewed a few days ago in the UK, over there for the coronation, he was interviewed by a man called Piers Morgan, who asked him the question, can you define a woman? And do you know what he said? Well, it's an adult female. Was he right? He was 100% right. But this is what the SBS headline said. Anthony Albanese's controversial answer to what is a woman. Controversial answer. SBS wasn't the only one to frame it that way. It was controversial to answer that a woman was an adult female. I don't know if I'm more concerned with that slogan or the fact that it's actually made it to the news, that we're asking a prime minister, what is a woman? Can you imagine 10 years ago us having this conversation? What is the enemy trying to do? He is trying to pervert our minds. He is going for sexuality because sexual identity is so closely connected to our general identity homosexuality, lesbianism, you name it. The enemy is trying to disrupt us and disturb us. So now it's the woke thing. Oh, I've got gender dysphoria now. I'm cool and I'm here. No, this is an identity epidemic. That's what's going on. We, we, we just don't know who we are. Now as Christians, can I say, it is not our responsibility to condemn, to bring down, but to love. We accept people. But that doesn't mean we have to agree. So church, come on. You, you've got family. You've got friends. Accept and love. But, but if and when there's an opportunity to speak for what's true and right, come on. Use that voice of yours. Because the more people that speak up, the less SBS are going to report that way. Because it's not so controversial. What's with the controversy? So what is the antidote? The reason why these, uh, these challenges are being around about us in society with, um, let's say we use gender dysphoria as an example, that's just a symptom. That's not really the issue. That's a symptom. The issue is we've taken our eyes off Jesus. We're being ungodly. And God is handing us over to our own devices. He's saying, okay, okay. I'll leave it to you guys then. 
And then we see this culture war. We see this <laughs> destruction of our fabric as a people. So we need, in a sense, a great reset back on Jesus. That's what we need. We need to fix our eyes back on Jesus. And can I just say, that's the church. That's us. That's us. I don't hold the world to a standard that I'm called to live by. That's on me. So our attention to Jesus in particular, <laughs> I thought this was kind of cute. Point number two, our pronouns really do matter. Our attention to pronouns matter. Watch this. I'm going to read through this passage again. It says in verse 15, He is the image, of, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in everything, He might be preeminent. For in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. Let us remember, believers, it is all about Him and what He wants and about Himself. It's not about me or myself or what I want or what I think. It's about what He wants. So in a sense... Absolutely, the pronouns matter. So let's not be too distracted by the he, him, they, she, her, whatever it is in the world on a human level. Let's, let's go a little bit higher because Jesus sits above it all anyway. He's not worried. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's chilled out. We're waiting on you, Lord. He's waiting on us. He's done all he needs to do. We've just got to realize who we are in him. So we can't allow the confusion or the distraction in the world to take our eyes off Jesus. Our attention really needs to be on him don't be distracted. Satan will use whatever means he can to bring about fear, alarmism, confusion in, in this world. He'll use, use things you've heard me talk before. He'll use things like a pandemic, a COVID pandemic, as a smokescreen for something else. Lockdowns, a smokescreen for something else. Let's look a little bit further. Remember, we've got the Holy Spirit now. Let's look a little bit deeper. Be a little bit more um, discerning. The recent ones are there. 
constantly going on about now is there's, there's, there's a, a climate emergency. Quick. We're all going to die by 2030. How dare you? Give me a break. Come on. Come on. I've been saying for years, oh, we're getting warmer, then we're getting cooler. Oh, we can't make our, our minds up now, so it's just changing. Was El Nino? What is it? What's all the plastic straws in, in, in the ocean which choking up all the animals? And... Smokescreen. Do we look after our environment? 100%. But don't buy the bull. Don't buy what the world is selling you. He's trying to distract you. Pay attention to what's going on. Look ahead. but Pay attention, but don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. But I tell you what. Let's not take our eyes off Jesus. I bring this up because these are all things that will happen. But no matter what, we have Jesus. And he sits above it all. And we've got to draw our attention on him. Let's not be distracted. And you who were once alienated hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He's now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Watch this. If indeed you continue in the faith. If you continue in the faith. If you continue in the faith. In order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. He is perfecting you and he will present you perfected only if you persevere. Saints, here is a call for us all to persevere to the very end. When I was in primary school, I used to do cross country. And I remember doing a two and a half K run at Perry Lakes. And it was hard. Of what good would it have been if I'd stopped halfway through and I had that really bad stitch. Oh, it's hard. Oh, my legs are tired. Oh, I can't. I wouldn't have finished the race. There is no point in us running a race and just before the finish line, I was going, yeah, I've had enough of this. I'm over this now. I'll do my own thing now. Oh, I'm running for Jesus. Yeah, I love you, Jesus. And then all of a sudden I get distracted. Oh, no, I can't be stuck. We've got to persevere to the very end because it's only as we persevere that he can present us holy and blameless. And it's going to be hard sometimes. It's going to be really, really hard. But I'll tell you what it says, and I'm mindful of time. So I'm going to read at times when it gets hard to persevere. Remember this. This is what he says at the end of Colossians chapter 1. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29. I saw this a couple of weeks ago and this spun my head around. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I'll read that again. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, I, I toil and I struggle 
with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. So he says, I'm working so hard. I'm going for it, baby. Life is difficult. And I'm struggling, but I'm struggling with his energy that he works powerfully in me. If that's not a word for some of you today, I tell you what. Keep going, keep going, keep going. But know this, you are working with his energy that's going on powerfully within you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, thank you, says this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works both to will and work for his good pleasure. So get serious with your salvation. Be real with it. Keep going and don't stop. Don't shrink back. Don't be shaken. Be steady. Be stable. Be steadfast with the power of God that's at work within you. And at times you're like, I don't want to do that. Let his will work through you. Let him work on your desires. If you're wrestling with sin, if you're wrestling with life, say, God, I'm struggling with this, but I need you. Lord, you give me the desire to do what's right. You give me the desire to love. You give me the desire to forgive. You give me the desire to keep on going. You do it in me because I got nothing. That's the beauty of following Jesus. We're not just following to a set of rules or principles. We are empowered to follow his direction. It's Jesus who leads us both in front of us and with us and behind us. He's around us. It's him. It's always about Him, and it always will be. We're going to finish with communion. I appreciate your time this morning. We're going to finish with communion. I've asked the steward just to be prepared to do this at the end. And as the stewards hand out the emblems, I want us to consider this. Consider whether Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart. Whether he really is. And perhaps it's an opportunity to reset on the cross. To be grateful for what he's done for you. And to ask him, say, Lord, would you help me to rest in you, to lean on you? Because I need you. I can't do it without you. I need you. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he was thinking about you and me. He was thinking about us. In loving obedience to the Father, he was thinking about his family. And as we take communion this morning, let's remember. Let's remember him. Thank you. Yeah, just bring that forward. Thank you. Beautiful. Let's remember him and we're going to invite him again afresh into our hearts. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.